Today's episode, a Q&A with me, moderated by Justin Wren. I'm excited. Let's do it. Welcome to the Amy Edwards Show. <laughs> Welcome to the Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards. And today's interview episode is with me. I get to put my computer away and be interviewed. With hot stuff. Hot stuff over there. Oh, me? You. Uh. You're who I'm talking about. <laughs> he said with hot stuff. I thought maybe you were referring to yourself in the third person. With the hot stuffs. <laughs> no, it's you. Hot stuffs. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, babe. Thank yeah, you for doing this. I'm excited. There's some really good questions that came in. Oh, good. Some really I'm good so, questions. I'm nervous, kind of. Are you? I don't think a you little, should be. A little. A little. I think you should be. These are all really great questions from people that want to hear more from you. And Thanks. I think that's really great for your show. And I think you have a lot to say. And you're so I good guess. at asking questions. And Thanks. now you get to be asked some great questions yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know what I realized? What? So... On another note, well, first off, let me just business up top. Please subscribe to the newsletter. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. And um, yeah. Yeah, please yeah. give Amy some love. That's one of the <laughs> things you can do yeah. that's most helpful to the show. It is. Grow. Thank you, honey. Yes, yeah. it is. And um, I realized that this today is the last show that I'll be recording at Hot Pie Studios because mm-hmm. it will be no more. So this is the last show that I'm recording in Hot Pie Studios. And the first show that I recorded in Hot Pie Studios was with you. It was. You were my guest. This is where our love story began. So uh I'm so grateful for this place. Uh Probably on these very mics, babe. And I know. And so now I'm finishing. (laughs) It feels like a a really nice bookend Mm. for everything that's been here at Hot Pie, which we're very grateful for. Absolutely, and Sad it's it's, uh, it's onwards and upwards for That's everyone. Right. For everyone, everyone in the studio, right. for Alyssa behind the scenes that's mm-hmm. helped this show so much. For everybody, all the team, yeah, um, so grateful for them. I know, me too. Yeah. And I just thought it was really funny that, of all things, yeah, we didn't even plan it. We, we really just found did out it this morning. And well, we I mean, I thought about plan. the Q and A for a couple of days and put it out there and asked some people and asked around and got some, I already had some questions too, like on TikTok. And so, you know, I proposed it to you. I said, Hey, I was thinking of doing this. And you were like, I'm in. And I was like, Oh, awesome. So it made me feel really good. I know. Made me feel really good. So I love you. you. I support you. And there's some good questions. There's some vulnerable ones. I like being vulnerable. We would start with, well, good. I'm ready to jump in and do this. This show, you know, is of course, Overcoming fear, being vulnerable, shifting your mindset, building better habits. So your best self. I am all about putting my own voice out there as honestly as possible. So I'm going to do my best to answer these mm, as great. openly as I possibly can. So I'm excited. I'm going to shut down my computer. And, you don't need it. Uh, I don't you need just it. You need to be here now, just That's like the I'm tattoo doing. on your arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ready for this? I don't so know. Good. What are you going to ask? You're going to do so good. Well, it's. <laughs> I just wanted to start with the vulnerable ones. Okay. Start with. I'm lighting my Palo Santo because I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just get my intention is, you know, just to show up fully. Yeah. We well, always present. do. Oh. Which is so impressive I about try. You. I try. You know what? It's the intention. And um, that's important. You want some of this? Intention. You want in on this? Oh, uh, sure. There you the go. Intention of attention. There you go. Okay. We got smoke flowing. 
We're going to burn it down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are recording this on 420, so. Okay. (laughs) That's true. That's as close as you and I get to burning it down these days. So, are Mm -hmm. you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Ready to get into some questions that can bring some stuff up. Yeah, great. Great. Bring it up. I am too. What's your cup size? (laughs) (laughs) Double D, actually. Double D. Yeah. uh I don't even think I knew that. They're great. I knew they're really great. Yeah, you know, and it's not the first time I've been asked. Mm, Mm -hmm. I'm the benefactor. On my TikTok lives, people, it's amazing how bold people are. Mm. Really, it constantly astonishes me. From behind a computer screen. That's right. And they will. Do you ever get that asked right to your face? (laughs) <laughs> let's say by a man um have i ever been asked that to my face no I, not that i can recall right Mm-mm. but it can happen on tiktok yeah at the magic babe uh-huh. all the time yeah <laughs> so she's a double d ladies and gentlemen <laughs> oh, a double i can't d. believe you started with that well <laughs> they're vulnerable <laughs> okay that one was a little tongue-in-cheek <laughs> but this one really is okay what is one insecurity you still have to work on more than any other? I have several that I have to work on all the time. And I think... You really do? I really do. Mm-hmm. Because and I, even as your partner, I don't see it like I see in maybe people that are even more of just acquaintances. Yeah. That you see stuff constantly coming up right in front of, right in front of you because they don't hide it well. And not that you should hide it well, and not that you hide What's it. What's an example of that? Can you think of? Um, I'm thinking of specifically. I'm thinking of a past partner. Oh, that okay. Anytime someone said anything to them, they would think that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true. They're just. Why are they being nice to me? Why are they saying this? Why are they saying that? Because that's not true. Wow. I'm fat, or I'm ugly, or I'm these other things. You know. Mm-hmm. And you're stunning and beautiful and you carry yourself really well that I think this is a really great question because people might not think that you would walk around and have an insecurity Mm -hmm. or two or a few that you Mm -hmm. constantly have to deal with. So figuring that out, like how do you handle those when they do come up? I think, I think that's hopefully what this person's asking. Yeah. And I would say a a big one of mine is probably comparison, Mm. you know, which you see that you see me do that. And, um, and I think there's just something underlying that that's probably about worthiness and feeling like I'm as important as everyone else or as I matter as much, you know, and I have to do a lot of work on that and check in with myself to remind myself that we're all important. And that includes me. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean everyone but me. Hmm. And but. I can think of other insecurities too. I would say that's probably the biggest one. And I've, I've seen that come up and it's not to knock you or anyone that has those because that's natural human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this quote that's kind of in recovery and it's, it says we might all experience different external circumstances, but we all kind of have the same internal condition. Mm-hmm. And it kind of comes down to a few basic things, but comparison is one of those thinking I don't have enough or that person's prettier. This person has the car, the house, the they're further along down the line. But one of the things I, I like to remember is you can't compare your first or second quarter to someone else's like fourth or your, your second or 
even your 10th chapter to someone else's like closing story, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're where they are and celebrate their success. And then just, I know focus on and you. I have to check in with that because I'm almost 50 and I'm still a beginner at some things. You know, there's people that have been going a lot longer than me. They're much younger and I have to take a breath a lot of times and not feel like I'm behind or feel old which you know I have moments with because you look in the mirror and you're like bullshit and you start to see wrinkles and you you've seen you see me a million times pull my neck up too and I, and pull my cheeks back and I'm like oh look look <laughs> you know I just did it in the camera and <laughs> yeah and so I think feeling like you should be further or you should be doing that rather than just being in the moment and so for me it's a practice of coming back to the moment and really loving where I'm at and trusting that I'm in the right spot Mm. and that's sometimes a challenge but it's a muscle and I just keep developing it and keep checking with that and then you know just talking about that physical aspect too as a woman like my body and getting older I would say there's just some general insecurities that come up around that that are a constant practice for me to love myself mm. fully. Yeah. Yeah. You should. Uh-huh. I know. Everybody should. I would literally look at anyone else in the whole wide world and tell them you're gorgeous the way you are and love yourself the way you are. And yet we can't do that for ourselves a lot of times or at least it's a challenge. I get challenged with it. Yeah. For sure. Um, this next question okay. is, what was your childhood like? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll follow that up with, it was a continuing question that said, how did you cope with losing your parents at such a young age and crucial age in your life? And how was your daughters, or how, how have your daughters handled growing up and not having grandparents on your side? Oh, wow. Yes. So. My mother died in 2005 from cancer that was developed from ulcerative colitis. And it was a tumor that developed over time. And she did not get treatment for it. And once we found out about the tumor, she died 21 days later. And I was seven months pregnant at the time. And my daughter, Sydney, for anyone that doesn't know, is named after her. Mm. And I gave birth to Sydney two months to the day after she died. And then my father, basically when my mom died, he curbed his smoking when she was alive. And once she died, it was on. He smoked in the house. He smoked himself to death after that. And he had what's now known as COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is a modern term for emphysema. And so he just couldn't breathe by the end. And he died five years later. And for context, mm -hmm. for people, Sydney was your firstborn. Yes, Sydney was my Whenever first child. Your mother passed. So it was my first child yeah. when my mom died. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge, crazy hit. And um, my mother was 69 when she died. My father was six, 74. And my childhood was pretty um, good overall. I didn't, I was very lucky. I didn't experience abuse. My parents both had fathers that were alcoholics and their upbringings were very different than mine they didn't have much money and so my dad worked hard to be a self-made 
person and wanted to give us the things he didn't, my sister and I. And so he, that's what he did. And he was kind of larger than life guy. And everyone in my family is smart or my mom and dad were smart and my sister's really smart. And I think I was the youngest and felt kind of like smaller and like I wasn't heard. And I think that's why I talk in a microphone now <laughs> for a living <laughs> because I think I longed to be heard and have my voice louder and not just be seen as cute. Amy with curly hair, who's little, you know, and cause I have naturally curly hair. And so, yeah, I think that's a big part of what formed me. But I was, I mean, I was lucky. They gave me everything they could. Were they a little restrictive on me? Yeah. Was that g great for me? No. It's probably influenced how I am as a mother. And um, and then I was raised in the Methodist church, which is fairly easygoing as far as the Protestant religions go. And yeah, uh, uh, my mother was pretty devout. My father was not. And anyway, I, that's how I was raised in Colleen, Texas. And I was a little bit rebellious and wild. Yeah. And well, oh, on the question, how did you cope with the yeah. loss? And I mean, yeah, seven months pregnant, mm -hmm. your mother's sick and you are, I mean, it's probably every, every girl's dream for their mom to see. Yeah. Their, you expect your mother around. to be around when mm -hmm. you're having your first child, for sure. It was a huge jolt, and my dad did a good job trying to pick up the slack, even though he was very sad. I mean, he tried to be there. He was a very involved grandfather, and he was really, really great. And he just really valued little Sydney because yeah. I think it just gave him something else to focus on and that he really needed. So that was good, actually. Having her come into our lives when we had this great loss was actually such a blessing. Mm. So that helped cope a lot. But I was still really, really sad. And there started to be some major shifts in my own life as I became a mother. And that surprised me. And I felt like she was guiding me in a lot of ways. And my marriage started to fall apart then. And that surprised me over the next year and so you're mourning that death and grieving and also thrown into a complete 180 of motherhood which it absolutely it's a change for a man but it is 180 for a woman and so it was a time of great upheaval in my life and I ended up getting divorced a year and a half later after giving birth if my mom had still been alive, I don't think that would have happened. I don't think I would have experienced that kind of upheaval. And I don't think I would have had the strength to leave that marriage either because she would have wanted me to stay. So anyway, I digress a little bit. Coping wise, though, um, I just kept going and knew I had to show up for my child. So I did. Do you think that one of the ways that you coped was by naming Sydney Sydney and after oh. your mother to honor her mm -hmm. and we got to tell my mom that before wow. she died mm -hmm. you didn't know that no yeah yeah because my sister said I don't think she knows you're naming the naming the baby Sydney and I was like yes she does we told her and she, they, my sister was like no and my mother was really getting close to 
not knowing what was going on at that point. She was becoming gaunt and on morphine when you don't really know what's yep. going on. And your your body is just running. That's it. It's like takes the energy from your brain. And so anyway, I got to tell her that. And so, and yes. What was that moment like? She was really honored. Mm-hmm. She knew I always liked the name Sydney. And I always said I was going to name my child Sydney. So it wasn't a humongous surprise but she was really honored and i mean i remember where she was laying on her on her bed and i told her and i was surprised too because i thought we i really i guess i i was overwhelmed with everything and i thought we had already told her and i hadn't and so i was like oh my gosh yes i thought you knew and she was like no and so i got to tell her that yeah it was and then we were all three with her when she died so that is a way of coping actually i think there's a level of acceptance that you have when you actually get to be with the person she was at peace doesn't make it easier but it does help you through it Mm. and we sat on the bed my sister and i were doing something and we went in there and my dad was like knew something was up and he told us to come in and I sat beside her. He was kneeling on the ground next to her. And my sister was at her feet. And we were just all there. And we could tell she was fading. And my sister said a prayer. And, you know, that we were all there. And we surrendered and knew it was her time. And I literally watched her pulse stop in her neck right then. Wow. It was an amazing moment awesome moment actually because just to have i mean is there any better way than with the three the people that Mm. you love your family right there holding you at home you know and so we all got to be right there with her and she didn't look like herself and but it still it was just we all looked at each other just with our eyes wide open like did that did this really just happen it was shocking and amazing this isn't one of the questions but what do you think what do you think is a favorite attribute about your mother that maybe you've tried to bring into your life or emulate or imitate Hmm. i think that even just she was sick for a lot of years before she got cancer and she still even if she wasn't feeling good got up made herself look good showed up was kind and Mm. lovely and just still was a light that just worked to still be her best every single day and because that's i i like that sometimes i slog around without showering or something and that energy very rare <laughs> is it? That is very rare. <laughs> I see that. I see your mom and you then. Even yeah. though I never knew her. So I just still you do that. I still try to get up and, and look yeah, nice. Yeah, you do. Even when you're sick, you do. I do. Yeah. I do. Even when I'm sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you say sometimes you slug around. Not not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> and so if we go to your dad, because he passed when Gigi, your youngest, was who's 12 now whenever she was two. Mm-hmm. So about 10 years ago. Yeah, she was two or three. Two mm-hmm. or three. And what would be a favorite attribute of your father that maybe you either really appreciate or that you hope that you could be like and that you see in him? (laughs) Probably 
uh, he had a way about him where he really didn't care what anyone else thought. Wow. I know. And that's rare. It really is. I remember him telling me a story once about being on the phone with someone. Back in the day, they used to call you and say, hey, can we count on your vote for for me, you know, for whatever they were running for, city council or whatever the hell. And I remember him telling me a story that someone had called up and wanted his vote. And he said, no, nah, I don't I don't think so. That's not what I want to do or whatever. <laughs> and they got mad and something happened. Neither they hung up on him or something and or he hung up I don't know and I said didn't you feel bad about that oh my gosh I would feel terrible and he was like no <laughs> and like, and I, I think there's a part of me that like admires just like staying your own course being your own person and not caring what other people think and also kind of adjacent to that is one of his favorite quotes was ironically to know that one life has breathed easier mm. because of me I, is to have succeeded. I think it's Ralph Waldo Emerson and or Thoreau. I get them mixed up. One of those. And so, you know, he couldn't breathe at the end, but he made a lot of lives breathe easier. Mm. And so he didn't care what people thought and he did his own thing. And part of that was sending people to college. Wow. And doing nice things under the radar he never he and my mother never wanted their name on anything if they donated or gave or anything they never wanted their name on anything and that's rare and admirable yeah and i mean not like they were doing the moody center or something and putting yeah. their name on something like that we didn't have that kind of money but they did have enough to donate to some places and to put people through college and they just didn't want Remember, they didn't want the Do you remember credit. one of the things that spurred him on to send someone to college? I think just because he didn't have anybody to do that for him. And I think he just wanted to help help people to help one life breathe easier. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So I think that that <clears throat> marching to your own drum and then helping people without expecting anything back and without... Um, Expecting recognition. I know I never knew him, but your <coughs> parents have been an inspiration to me just hearing about him. Thank you. Honey. And even even your dad, on another side note, being an entrepreneur, being a good provider, doing great things with what he was able to, to earn and be able to turn that around. I mean, it's just, it's really special. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Thanks. he was also the father of, and your mother, to the most amazing woman I've ever known. <laughs> so I love them. Thank you. Didn't you ask something else about my kids or uh, this? This is going to be on that. Okay. I'm actually skipping around here. Yeah, skip around. It's how does how do you balance the workload of and day to day grind with being such an amazing mom? Who wrote that? Did I actually no, I, I actually don't know. That's just one that was on there. It was just one that was on there. But I, I know it to be true mom. because I think you're an amazing mom. So how do how do you balance the workload and day-to-day -day grind with being such an amazing mom? It's a great question. I just pretend and, who you are. and tell myself I'm an amazing mom. You are. That's all. That's all it is. I, I just tell myself that. And then um, because I don't get it all done and I just try to show up and have a little one-on-one -on -one time with each of them too every day, even if they're not receptive, which my 12-year-old is not always receptive, as you may know. And so... But, you know, just being there and showing up, putting my phone down, 
looking them in the eye and trying to have at least a small conversation. Yeah. That matters. That does matter. Yeah. And it doesn't even take much time. So you don't have to balance a lot. And then being there in the house is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say also how you invest in their passions. Mm Mm-hmm. Gigi's always doing flips and you'll be cooking and, and she's like, mom, mom, watch, watch. And you're she's having to going turn around. to hound me until yeah. I watch that. I know True. that. <laughs> but you're excited about it and you've got her in gymnastics. You helped her get into cheerleading and or just encouraged her to. And, um, and then Sydney, you started playing music. You were a DJ, but you started uh, in radio personality, but then you started music later in life and then look at your daughter now she's starting her own band and she was rocking mm-hmm. it and probably Austin's best kid band or whatever school of rock and I remember walking I think it was in the movie theater and Sydney walked up to you and you were kind of having a little bit of a self-doubt or something mm-hmm. that day and Sydney just walked up and it was the perfect timing because I knew what was going on earlier in the day and she said mom Today I was telling people or she wrote it down or it was a school thing. And she said, uh, who inspires me? And it was you. Mm-hmm. You know how probably rare that is for, I mean, whenever I was asked that, I was asked that on the SAT. I had to write who inspires me. And I had to go through all these different Olympic Olympic champion wrestlers and <laughs> stuff like that. And, and my mom. My mom really does yeah. inspire me. But I think that's rare for yeah. a kid. To, it was so nice. So nice that she said that. And I think just talking about when you talked about Gigi and doing flips and me watching and stuff, I think I have an understanding that those moments are very fleeting. And I did the work early on when I got divorced from Sydney's dad to change my mindset around moments with my children. Because when we split up, I was stressed out when she was around. When she wasn't around, I just felt guilty. And so... I had a meeting with myself where I was like, I can't keep going on like this because I'm miserable all the time. So I shifted it around and I thought, I'm going to be present and have a good time when she's here. And when she's not here, I'm going to love those moments and enjoy my life. So that's what I did. And I think that that practice has paid off over time. So this is probably more for divorced parents, but actually it would go for any parent, really valuing the time you're with them, understanding that it's fleeting. And valuing the time that you're apart from them. And that gives, that actually when you do value your time apart from them and not feel guilty, then you do value the time with them even more. So yeah, that mm. probably goes for anyone in your life. It does. And just on this kind of same line, I'm bouncing around again, but I think it has to do a little bit with what you were saying. It says, what do you do to enhance your energy and elevate your overall mood throughout the day? Enhance my energy and elevate my overall mood. I talked a lot about my morning ritual Mm. in Monday's episode this week. And I talked about just having a framework that I know sets me up for success. But if there's a number one thing that I have to pick, it is getting sleep. Mm. And it is putting my phone down at night, which is hard. Stopping scrolling, stopping all of that. And going to sleep and then getting up and doing the shit that I know is going to set me up, Hmm. like meditating and like really reading, journaling, gratitude. It's all these things that seem kind of hard because you have to actually do them, but 
they're really, really beneficial. So as I proceed through the day, if I haven't done those things, I can tell I'm not as shiny and I can tell my energy suffers. And so if I have to keep that up, I have to take moments by myself and breathe and allow myself a little bit of space Hmm. and remind myself that everything is not crucial. Everything is not crucial. You can sit in your car and take a minute and that's valuable. Give yourself some time and some space. And when I do that and give myself some time and some space, I'm better for it Hmm. for sure. My energy gets better. My mood gets better. One one question I just started that seems like it would go good right now is, have you experienced, have you ever experienced burnout? How did you handle it? Oh, I saw this one on Instagram. Have I ever experienced burnout and how did I handle it? Absolutely. I think I've experienced it over the years several times and I don't always handle it well. And so I try to learn from those old experiences. And I'm thinking I get a little like a caged animal sometimes if I'm having some kind of burnout. And I know something's got to change. And that is not great and not healthy so I think becoming aware of it is very very important in those moments and I think I've felt it mainly when I'm not in control of a situation I think I'm one of these people that likes to be in control of a situation and then when I'm not in control of it like for instance the girl band I was in I wasn't in control and I was frustrated I felt burned out and I felt angry. There is just a lot of emotions and the frustration. This Mm. goes. Doesn't that always go with burnout? Isn't there some frustration and like spinning your wheels a little bit? Yeah. Even for me, it would, it would frustration for sure. But in the nonprofit world, they called it this. And I was like, I don't know seven, eight years in, I was still under the impression that will never happen to me. Get out of here with that trash. (laughs) Are you kidding? That's a cop out. Those are like, you're ridiculous. But I think after PTSD and COVID and a divorce and all this other stuff, um, it's absolutely true. And they call burnout in the nonprofit world, compassion fatigue. Wow. And I was like, are you kidding me? There's always more compassion. There's always more love. It's an endless well, it's, just like it's, a water well. It's, it's always getting deeper and wider and taller. And uh, what are you talking about? But then I hit a wall. Then I hit a wall. And I, I think probably because I was so much quicker and easier to give compassion to others and would neglect or reject it for myself. So having self-compassion in those moments of burnout, mm-hmm. whenever I first started experiencing it, I, I like resisted it so much and I was like, no, 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 no. And then I was, I didn't even know what was happening at first. I think first I was dumbfounded. And then second, I was like in denial that it was mm-hmm. happening. And then third, I was like self-loathing or depressed or like almost condemning myself for experiencing it. And... And you know then what? I didn't know what to do about it. That's interesting that you said compassion fatigue too, because so many times it's focused outward and that's what causes our burnout. We're doing too much outward and not taking care of the inward. Mm-hmm. So a regrouping back to like when you, when you felt those moments where you're like, no, 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 no. Like those were indicators. Your body, everything was telling you take care of yourself. Yep. And whether that means even just taking a day off for mental health. 
You can feel it coming. You can if you stay tuned in enough and check in with your body. You don't even have to. Your body's going to scream at you. It's going to scream or your mind that you need a break. And so I think that I've gotten better about it. However, I know more recently, I think I experienced it with our relationship when you, when right before you went to treatment this last time, I think I experienced it then because I was not taking care of myself. I was not doing my self-care stuff. All of my focus was outside of myself. Mm. And with that same compassion fatigue, you're getting like that. All of your focus is outside yourself. So people that get burned out too, like when all of your focus is on your family or a caretaker, maybe you have someone sick, you know, and you just don't feel like you can take time for yourself, you have to take time for yourself. That's where those morning rituals come in. That's where that sleep comes in. That's where the breaks come in, where you stop and take a breath. That's where any of those practices that you've done that you've slowly, slowly forgotten about and let slip, you come back to and you take a bath. You give yourself some self-care. You give yourself some love. You, you spend time in nature by yourself. You know, just like it doesn't even have to be fancy. Yeah. You don't have to go to a spa for days. You literally can go on nature. You want to connect with, right? And mm-hmm. experience it together. But yeah, by yourself is always good. Solitude. Sometimes I think with burnout, sometimes it, you do need to be by yourself and yeah. reconnect to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I have to decipher between is this solitude or is it isolation? Ooh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, because isolation uh, for me, uh, it's never been healthy, no. but solitude, like taking intentional time to refill, renew, regroup, which you have been doing. Stuff. Yeah. You, I think you've gotten good at that just since this last time of treatment. I, time of I, treatment. I realized like I better do this. You understood it better. I yeah. think. Yeah. And weren't afraid of it. Yeah. And I think it sunk in like even the compassion fatigue. People would tell me like people that were much more experienced or they saw whatever, like a big heart or whatever. They're like, Hey man, They'd, they'd give me these warning signs and these red flags. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, you got to take care of you. And I'd be like, oh, thank you. That's so nice. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but like not doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm too busy trying to do this over here. Yeah. And uh, so now it's like, oh, if I'm going to longevity, mm-hmm. like I better, I better take some time. You know, they did it. They did a lot on that with Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense, which mm. I was a spokesperson for and very involved with for years. And talk about getting burnt out. Yeah. People really do because a lot of nonprofits, yes, you're saving people and doing good in the world. But this one is really hard because the shooting deaths don't stop. And the level of heart-wrenchingness is unbelievable. And right. when you hear a mom's story about their child that was shot that was 13, you know, I think mm-hmm. of, Lucy McBain and you think of you hear these stories and you just cry and like and you're like I've got to do something and I've seen other volunteers because everybody's a volunteer really get burnt out and really just be like I've got to take a break and so in the training that they do with mom's demand moved to Spain she was like I'm out and yeah. she literally worked her ass off. Yeah, and we got to see her, and she was so great. She was she's so, so nice, great. So Elva. Kind. Elva, she's, Elva, she's so she's incredible. Awesome. So anyway, though, Mom's Demand is very tuned in to how that can happen. And they have, in their training, which they have a big conference every year, sure. one of the big tracks is self-care. Nice. And they 
encourage that. You know, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. So, so just if you can keep tapping into those self-care practices, it matters. They, they do that for a reason because they really want people to take care of themselves and they recognize the nature of how hard things can be when you're really working for a goal, whatever your goal is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I've gotten strong in those self-care practices. So it really surprised me when I let them all slip, totally got burned out in the situation we were in and felt like everything was not about every, literally everything was about something other than me. And I had to come back to myself and my self-care. So it was a really, really good lesson. You were Mm -hmm. being a great mom. I mean, you had the podcast, you had being a mother to two girls. And then, I mean, me, that was like not fair to you. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to. Well, hold on one. Right before that, I would just say my advice to anyone listening in that situation, when you're feeling, when you're starting to feel frazzled, when you're getting a short fuse with people, when you're getting irritated, when you feel like you're reaching that burnout phase, you feel like you're losing a sense of self. Yep, you are losing a sense of self, so it's pretty simple to tune back in. You just have to do it. Mm. That's the hard part. It's easy. The practices of it are easy. You just have to do them. So give yourself that time. Yeah, it's easy to think about what everyone else needs, but really just take a moment and say, what do I need Mm -hmm. right now, today? Yep. Mm, I like that. I do too. I like that a lot. It's true, though. It's not selfish. Self-care is Mm -hmm. not selfish. You need to take care of yourself so you can be more selfless. So, um, well said, honey. Thanks, darling. You're hot. Um, <laughs> it's true. So, besides radical honesty, which I just was being, you're so hot. I'm being radically honest. <laughs> besides radical honesty, what do you think, in your opinion, is the most crucial part to a successful relationship? No. Besides radical honesty? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I think vulnerability falls under radical honesty, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like allowing yourself to say things. Maybe it's, yeah, radical honesty, but also letting yourself say things that you wouldn't otherwise say. Mm-hmm. So it's a step past honesty. It's like this fantasy is going on my mind, but I would never say this to anyone. What would they think? And then instead saying it and talking to that person. Hmm. And, and then I guess, uh, if, if we're going to talk about radical honesty, listening, Hmm. listening, let's say that listening, I think is the most, one of the most crucial things. I was watching that show, the ultimatum. Oh yeah. And yeah. And, uh, which is filmed here in Austin. And anyway, one of the women in it, um, I can't think of her name and, uh, she's really beautiful. But anyway, Every time that one of the guys would try to have a conversation with her, she would just shut it down and walk off. Like she just would not listen. If it wasn't what she wanted to hear, she would just shut it down and not listen. And like that's that's no basis for anything. Listening is incredibly important. So you can be honest all day long, but if you're not listening, it's not doing you any good really. So you've got to let the other person be honest and just listen enough to not take it personally and... And then not, yeah, don't, it, it doesn't have to be so personal. Mm. Just let it be. Almost being vulnerable to just hold space and allow them yeah. to the space to share. Yeah. So. Do you think we do that? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I think so too. Well. You listen to me really well. I've been Oops. really impressed. Like you don't take it personally. And um, I hope I can offer you the same. You do. Okay. And more. <laughs> so there was a, and I mean that. Got two ears and one mouth. That's what uh, my sister always says. That? Speak less, listen more. Yeah. Speak well. less, listen more. So there's a quote I just sent someone on Instagram and I posted a video and it made them cry. And or that it, video you just posted, I cry. cried. Yeah. So I was reminded of a woman that's helped you and me. Um, and she's in a group and doing this work with like families and different things. And I'll, I'll tell you more okay. offline. <laughs> uh, it might be Lee. It might have been Lee or Lee's friend. Um, oh, OK. The older woman with the son. Yes. And so uh, she said a quote to me and I found it again today. This was months ago. Uh-huh. And just the part about being vulnerable. Uh, there's a man named Washington Irving. Yes. And he said, there's a sacredness in tears. They're not the mark of weakness, but of power. And I think in our relationship, you being vulnerable, me being vulnerable, or you allowing me to be vulnerable, more so than I've ever been able to be with anyone in my entire life, you know, uh, I know that I can cry if I need to cry. You've seen me cry. Mm-hmm. You've seen me cry on more than one occasion, like several times. And when it just hits me, um, I'm allowed to do that. And for me, you know, the first time or two, I might have had these insecurities about, oh, no, I'm crying in front of her. But since then, I'm like, hey, it's okay. It's not weakness. It's actually, I'm trying to think of it as, if it's real and authentic and I'm like, don't force it not to come. Like if it comes, allow it to just naturally like that's empowering to me that I'm allowed to be vulnerable with you. Mm-hmm. So there's a sacredness in tears. They're not the mark of weakness, but of power. I really like that. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of power. I'm trying to think of the last time I cried, like really cried. I shed a lot of tears when you were in treatment. Yeah, you did on the Zoom calls with me. You did before I left. I did. You did when I came back. By myself. Yeah, for sure. A lot. Yeah. And I got letters that told that me that was good. <laughs> there you go. Well, there's letters I didn't send. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it was cathartic to get it out. Yeah. And I think. A big part of me thinks, oh, let's skip to the part where we know whatever's happening is for the best. Mm. For instance, we're not going to be in this studio anymore. We won't, Hot Pie won't be around anymore. So there's a part where you say, I'm, I, let's go ahead and view this as the best thing that could possibly have happened. Because we know two years from now, we will look back and say, what a blessing that turned out to be. Yeah. And we'll see people that mm-hmm. are at, in this network and still know them and yeah. see them flourishing and yes. doing better. And, yeah. and there's so many things like that. But whatever it is that might be happening, yeah. don't skip over the tears. Don't skip over the grieving yeah, process. Yeah, so true. Because Allow that's an important grieve. part of the process and acceptance and getting to acceptance. I mean, Alyssa and I were talking about the five stages of grief briefly earlier, and they're all messy. Yeah. 
but denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. It's getting you to that place of acceptance. And sometimes you're going to go back and forth. It's not linear, just like everything. But that is the goal of getting to that place of acceptance. And I think it's called spiritual bypassing. When you pass over these tears, pass over those things that we really, they're an important part of our emotions and our healing. Yeah. I think I'll save more of this for later. Because this is a Q&A with you, but uh, this, <laughs> this, this just, this, uh, yeah, it, last night uh, I was in bed and, and you were asleep and I felt prompted to like open my WhatsApp. So I did. That's how we communicate with our team mostly, but I have the notifications turned off just because there's so many different groups, not just fight for the free. Yes. Keep the notifications off. So many others. <laughs> well, I haven't been on there in like more than a week and, um, the rebels came in and they they killed some of my friends, <gasps> and I saw actual pictures of. Oh that. my just, god! Not just them at their funerals, but like them on the roads, honey, after being macheted and different stuff. And I fought it back. I wanted at first I wanted to wake you up, and then I just felt myself go into the mode of like, not yet, not right now. And so I closed my phone and got off of it. But like, yeah, a couple of men I really loved, and um, oh my god, yeah, uh, the people that actually adopted me in and gave me my name yeah um, their village so like i think the reason we'll talk about this more but the reason it's so important to grieve is i'm going to show you one of the videos Mm -hmm. and um it's only like 20 seconds but you'll hear them grieving oh wow and it's not like anything over here no they let it out they let it out like like they're literally holding onto the caskets crying like faces buried into them and screaming mm-hmm. i think and, maybe uh, we should do more of that i do too i do yeah. too because um you know i've never seen personally i've spent time there and i know i know mothers and fathers that have lost children and they don't they don't lose their marriage just because they lost a child but here it's one of the number one yes. reasons for divorce because people aren't communicating and they aren't talking, they aren't listening and they're blaming. And they're not grieving. And they're not grieving. I took a class in college called Death in America. It was a sociology class. And it was one of the, it was probably the best class I took in college. And we studied death in comparison, how we handle it here in America compared to other countries. Mm. And our grieving process is all screwed up here. Yeah. We, we tend to push those things down. Or stuff say it. not now. Stuff yeah. it. And or I mean, everything's so pretty. Like it's, right. it's in a suit and the body or in a beautiful dress and they're wearing makeup and and uh, which I'm not saying that's they, they shouldn't have those things done for them in honor, but everyone prepares themselves to come to not cry and to not truly grieve and to mm-hmm. say how much it sucks that it, that we lost this person. Yeah. Um, but I think when you acknowledge that and you go, Oh, he would want us to be happy, you know? And it's like, yeah, but I'm not. (laughs) And so there's this thing we need to do to, to allow ourselves to go through that process because on the other side is that's how we heal. That's an integral part of the healing. And it's also an act of self care since we were talking about that. It is an act of self care to allow yourself to feel the feelings and face the feelings and then move forward. And I think, you know, with my parents, wh- what we talked about earlier, I actually saw each of them die right next to me. 
my father too. I didn't mention that, but, and I think that that helps you just accept it more. Mm. And yeah. in this country, we don't do that generally. Yeah. Those people see the person pass. Mm. They're right there with them. They're able to wail and grieve and they cry. Help, they help move the body. They help dig the grave. Right. They, they're part of the whole process. Right. And so I think with my parents, I had the unusual um, blessing of actually being there. Yeah. And it's extremely rare. And so... I consider that just such a gift and we, I don't know how we fix it exactly, except it would require some fundamental changes to how we handle death, yeah. <laughs> which is a whole nother conversation. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so same on the relationship. Okay. It's how do you navigate challenges that are inevitably that inevitably arise in r- relationships? How do I navigate challenges that inevitably arise in In relationships? relationships. Meaning... Or in relationship. I guess they're talking about ours. Our relationship in a love relationship. Yeah. Okay, we had a fight the other day, right? I got mad at you. Yes. I got mad at you. I was trying to think about it because we don't fight often, but yeah. No, we don't. It's rare, but I did get mad and I was... Heated. Is this a feather in my cap moment at the end of the story? You handled it very. You handled uh, it better than me. You didn't handle it too poorly. I didn't handle it great. And when you're in the heat of the moment, it's difficult. And I think giving yourself a little bit of space is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. I do not. One thing I do not do is say anything that you I can't mean. take back, or yeah. I, do, I don't call names, and I don't. I just. I don't say anything mean. Yeah. So I would say, shut your mouth. <laughs> That's a good policy. Yeah. Shut your mouth, listen, and let yourself cool down. Mm-hmm. Can I be honest and say that, well, of course I can. The, you're my only relationship, I think, that at some point there hasn't been something said that can't be taken back or that you know, just digs super deep that like is below the belt or whatever. That's like, Oh my gosh, how are we going to come over those words? Or like those things. And you think they're just words and anyone can get over those things. But that's what really impresses me about you is you've never thrown a low blow. You've never I don't, called me. I wouldn't name. do that you've to my friends. Anything. Why would I do that to you? Yeah. I'm just I saying it's impressive. Oh, well, uh, well it, that it's, I mean, it's, it's sad that the bar is that, you know, yeah, low, I, I, I mean, guess. it's not impressive, but it's, but no, it's a really good, I agree. Cause I've feature. been called names. So yeah, it's a really mm-hmm. good attribute and it's, it's, it's integrity and it's like, it's, it's honoring not just me, but yourself, because I think when you say those things, mm-hmm. it doesn't just degrade the person, but also yourself because that's not who you want to be right so anyways yeah in that moment in this fight like it was a miscommunication in certain ways um like i think i didn't mean to communicate what what it came across as Mm -hmm. and so when we took steps backwards and like took a breather we were able to come back later and and ended on a really good note Mm -hmm. which was well we 
I got to give you a massage. Yeah, you did give me a massage. I talked about that on the Monday episode. Actually. Oh, great! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, you was... did. You gave me a massage, and but but before that, actually, we were better. Yeah, yeah, we sure. were better. And I would say also swallow, take a breath, and let swallow. go of being. Just swallow your pride, <laughs> is what Sorry, I was going to say. Honey, Sorry. Uh, um, and let go of being right all the time. I, I just heard someone talking about letting go of being right it was someone famous and it was like John Cusack or someone and he was saying yeah if someone else wants to be right I just let him be right if you want to say two plus two equals five okay and like he doesn't (laughs) he doesn't even hold up these arguments he just like lets people have their own point of view and their own consciousness about it all, which they do. Everybody's living in their own reality. You included me, you know, we are. Mm. And so let go of being right mm. a little bit. It's very hard to do. I Do I practice what I preach? I try. But I like that because if you let go of the need to make a point, maybe you can still make a difference. Like, like, don't get so caught up in making a point that I need you, you to miss out this. on yeah. making a <laughs> meaningful difference. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because when you get in those stalemates or one person wins, one, right. person's lo- one person loses. Yeah. Like you're robbing yourself and that person of an opportunity to one day, like, help each other or make mm-hmm. a difference in each other's life or this world. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. I like you know, that. it's easy to say right now. But in mm-hmm. the moment, we may have yeah. a fight one day and you may say... You need to let go of being right. And that will make me really mad. Make you hot. <laughs> I like when you get hot. Hot in you the wrong way. <laughs> More like fiery. <laughs> okay. So this is still on relationships. But I'm trying to figure... This is from a man. I'm trying to figure out how to... Wait. Sorry. Let me restart. I'm trying to figure out how to romance myself after a recent post of yours. How do I do that as a man? Oh, gosh. Well... You're a man, so I'm just going to say as a human. How do you do that as a human, right? Okay. So, because I'm not a man, so I'm just going to come from a human perspective. How do you romance yourself? A human. A human. Whoa, man. Man, human. As a, as a person, I, I think I know what post that's about. I wrote about really getting in touch with having, oh, falling in love with yourself mm. and continuing to fall in love with yourself. And I think it is about prioritizing your own self-love. And I have had to dive into those practices myself. And I've talked about this before. In the pandemic, when I just was by myself, single, and I just thought, what if it's only me from here on out? And this is, I think, what my post was about, too. And I forced myself to live in that for just a little bit. Whether it was true or not, didn't matter. I just decided, what if? Let's do an experiment here. What if this is just me forever? Didn't know what was going to happen with the pandemic. And so I decided to have the best relationship with myself, to give myself flowers, to treat myself really Mm. well, to dress up sexy for myself which was weird but I did it and I think that sounds awesome it was hot you know what but it was weirdly vulnerable because it's just you and 
so I think as anyone, just getting over yourself enough to really love that person in the mirror, to say I love you, to treat yourself the way you would treat a partner that you really love. Treat yourself that way hmm. and see what happens. So That's and awesome. it's weird to think of romancing yourself, but just get over that weirdness. Or maybe the weirdness is still there. Don't even get over it. Who cares? Leave the weirdness there. Just do it. Just do it anyway. Until it gets less weird. It's still going to be weird. It's still weird for me. But, but it is really less neat. weird. It is yeah. less weird now when I do those things. Yes. And someone just told me, actually, after I did that post, so, and I don't know if this is true or not, but someone told me that Prince wrote the song Cream, which is a dirty song, <laughs> while he was looking in the mirror. He wrote it for himself. Wow. Yeah. I don't know the, the lyrics, lyrics. Of that. Can you pull that up? Yeah, let me look really quick. Um, what else were you going to say? And I'll unique. look up the lyrics. No, I, I think really that's quick. a good idea. I, I, so I'll, I'll be vulnerable and say okay. that I, I had a thought come up, and it was, I don't know, a, a few months ago. And I had this first judgmental thought, and then I tried to reorient the thought and be like, you know what? Like, no, that's awesome. At first I saw this guy. He was kind of, I don't know, uh, just not, just kind of normal looking. And he was sitting by himself and he was at a restaurant and he was all alone. And he was sitting there and I, I used to have these things about not wanting to be alone, not wanting to go to a restaurant by myself, not wanting mm -hmm. to eat by myself. Because you can feel, if you're not careful, you can feel sorry for someone eating by themselves. And that might be a weird thing that to say. I know what you mean. But um, but anyways, uh, at first I had this thought like, oh man, that guy, I wish he had a friend. Maybe I should go say hi or all this other stuff. And he was all alone and he looked a little like off. I don't know what, just something looked a little off about him. But then a couple minutes later, I looked back over at him and he looks like he's having a great time <laughs> all by himself. Yeah. Eating his meal, enjoying every bite of food that he was taking and like just digging his meal. And then he had his earbuds <laughs> in and then he's probably enjoying a podcast. Yeah. I saw him chuckling and I'm like, you know what? That's so dope. Like he was being kind to himself. Yeah. Taking himself out for a good meal. Perfectly enjoying happy. every bite. Be good company laughing. for yourself. Yes. Yes. Right? Don't be Man, you know, that you reminds me. Your own skin you do. When alone. I was in my 20s, I wanted to go to a movie and I didn't have anybody to go with. And I had never been to the movies by myself. And this is this is back in the 90s I'm talking about. So anyway, I remember talking to my sister-in-law, Terry. She lived somewhere else. But I remember speaking to her and I was like, man, I want to go to the movies. But I don't have anybody to go with. And she was like, go by yourself. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. That felt really weird to me. And I was like, what? And she was like, just go by yourself. And I had never even entertained the idea of going to the movies by myself and so I thought well okay so I did it and this was probably in the beginnings of my self-love journey and so I did it and it was like such a boost I got to do whatever I wanted and I ended up going to the movies over the years by myself many times but it took me just doing it that once have you ever gone to the movies by yourself yes yeah okay not, not in a healthy way oh I would go when I used. Oh. I'd, get, I'd get high or something. 
Yeah. And, like walk to the movie theater that was across the street. Just like, zone out. Street. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's out. not healthy. Eat bad food. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, it was an escape. I still ate bad food. Well, but you're being so. kind to yourself. Yeah. So I should try it though. I should try going by myself. No, I want to go with you. True. 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 So. Oh, hey! I looked up that song. It says in a 2004 MTV special, Prince joked that he wrote the song while looking at himself from mir- in the mirror. Is it a joke? Don't we know. don't know. We don't know. Anyway. But let's pretend he wrote it for let's himself. Pretend. And what are the lyrics? You're so good, baby. There ain't nobody better. So you should never, ever go by the letter. You're so cool. Everything you do is success. Make the rules, then break them all because you are the best. Mm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Look up in the air. It's your guitar. Do your dance. Why should you wait any longer? Take a chance. It can only make you stronger. It's your time. You got the horn, so why don't you blow it? You're so fine. You're filthy cute, and baby, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Love we'll, you, Prince. R.I.P. R.I.P. Maybe we should play that song one time whenever we take our showers together. <laughs> and like we can see ourselves in the mirror, too. It's a good song. So you were talking about your self-love journey at the beginning of it. When did you first get into personal growth? This is a great question. When did you first get into personal growth. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, At least what I think would be my answer. And the beginning of it for me was Tony Robbins, I would say. I majored in philosophy, so I was already looking at bigger questions in college. But I would say a little later in the 90s, I bought Personal Power, which is his, I think it was on CD... I can't remember whether it was cassette or CD. Yeah, that's how old this is. Eight track? It was not eight track. I don't even know when that was out, so I'm sorry. (laughs) I did have an eight track player when I was young. Anyway, (laughs) my mom had one in the car. Um, Anyway, I bought those, and it was very eye-opening for me. I'd never done any work like that, and I just basically fell in love with Tony Robbins. And I remember my first husband was like, if you left me for anybody, it would be Tony Robbins, right? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, sure would. That's your hall pass? <laughs> I, I mean, I know he's had like a lot of stuff go on in the last few years with me too and all that. But um, I'm still a fan. I, I, I think because my personal development journey started a lot with Tony Robbins. And so I, in the beginning of our marriage, I remember sitting every day, setting the goals and following what he said in those personal power things and setting some real goals for myself and under understanding myself a little bit more and it had just never occurred to me to do that kind of work even Mm -hmm. growing up religiously and things like that it there was not that focus on self-growth and so that was really interesting and I still had a long long way to go but I would say that was definitely the beginning of it and I heard him talk about walking on hot coals and all those Mm -hmm. kind of things and I thought just how weird and interesting so would this answer would it be Tony Robbins or somebody else? Who was the teacher that first lit you on fire? Oh, uh, that's easy. It would be, I don't know his name. I don't remember his name. Isn't that funny? But I was majoring in radio, television, film, I think, or something like that when I was a freshman in college. And then in the summer, Elizabeth, my friend, we were both mm-hmm. home in Colleen for the summer and we're going to go to, CTC Central Texas College which is now UCT University of Central Texas in Colleen and 
or in Copper's Cove. It's right outside of town. And anyway, she said, oh, I need to take a philosophy class. And I was like, I don't even know what philosophy is. And she was like, will you take it with me? I said, sure. So we went to the class. I got, I was going to get a credit. So I was like, okay, fine. I remember after the first class, I loved the professor so much. I can't believe I don't remember his name. I loved the professor so much and I loved the way that he spoke about philosophy, the way he put across the ideas, the way he presented philosophers like, oh, this one you'd want to sit down and have a beer with, like, he, you know, and it just changed everything for me. And I remember walking out of that first class with her and I said, I think I'm going to change my major to philosophy. And she was like, what? <laughs> she was like, that is crazy. And I was like, no, I want to. And at that time, it seemed so strange to me to love radio. And I still worked at the college radio station. And I changed my major to philosophy. That class with him, too, at CTC, he ended up giving me an A. But I got spinal meningitis during the time of the class and couldn't finish it. I couldn't even take my final exam. He gave me an A anyway. He was so cool. I can't believe I don't remember his name. I really should. Anyway, I am so grateful to him because... It really opened my eyes to philosophy. And and I would say being a lifelong student or lifelong learner, because that's one of the things that inspires me most about you. I am a lifelong learner. I love that. Yeah. I don't want to go back to school, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she says with disdain. So anyway, I really loved radio and I really loved philosophy and the study of these bigger ideas of how the world works, what our consciousness is, all those kind of things that, you know, they were talking about with Plato and Aristotle and, uh, and Socrates. And so it never occurred to me that these two things might actually fit together. Hmm. And so when podcasting started, I wish I'd gotten into it sooner, but it married these two things that I love so much or gave the opportunity to marry these two things that mm. I love so much. And it finally made sense. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. So that's why I get, I nerd out on philosophical things, but uh, they're, they're hard, sometimes hard concepts for me to understand. I wish I was smarter and more able to understand them, but I just have to keep studying them and doing my best. On that note. Okay. Who are you learning from most today? myself if I'll listen hmm. it just is a matter of actually paying attention and listening and I learn the most I really try to tune into every situation and learn the most hmm. learn a lot from you Thanks. I learn a lot from my children mm -hmm. so yeah it's probably a pretty boring answer. No. Mm -hmm. But outside of those close relationships that are so important to our own self-learning, I listen, I listen to a lot of things, and I think, I'm trying to think who the biggest influences on me are right now as far as what I want to listen to. Maybe this question will help you. Okay. Because it's what are the top three most impactful books, three to five most impactful books you've ever read? Mm. Okay, top three most impactful books. A Happy Pocket Full of Money by David Jacondo. I think that's his name. I can't remember his last name. Happy Pocket Full of Money. I've read it like, I don't know, six times. Mm. 
The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, which that's a much easier read, very you quick sent that read. With me to did you read it? I did. It's so good, right? It is good. I could see why you loved it, and I liked it. I yeah. really liked it. It was it was good. It was deep. It was it was quick little stories. Yeah, it was great. But I was like, when I'd read it, I go, oh yeah, Amy would dig this. <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely love that, and. I'm going to pick something random. It's called, um, uh, it's by Alain de Botton, and it is about Proust. It is a review of the work of Proust, and it is called, I'm going to look it up right now. Um, so Alain, A-L-A-I-N de B-O-T-T-T. Oh, in, and he has the School of Life. Big fan of him. He is a British philosopher. And um, his book, hold on, let's see, Proust, is called um, How Proust Can Change Your Life. Proust is spelled P-R-O-U-S-T, in case you didn't know how to pronounce it. How Proust Can Change Your Life. It is called Not a Novel by Alain de Botton. And that book is excellent. It will give you a lot of perspective with a lot of humor and he dives deep into Proust's work, which I've never read Proust, and I don't want to. And it is an incredible book. So those are three that I absolutely recommend. And I'm loathe not to have a woman in there, but um, those are big ones for me, for sure. I'm so. sure you like Conversations with God, Abraham Hicks stuff. Absolutely. Joe yes. Spinza, Conversations with God should probably rank up there, too. Mm. But I listened to that and didn't read it so somewhere in the middle there but yes conversations with god is absolutely a game-changing life-changing book hmm. yeah well, we have about 10 more minutes there's okay. a couple more good questions okay so i'll keep it going along but while we've got everybody here and there's a podcasting question how'd you begin podcasting can anyone do it and then as a start, if you could pick three of your episodes for everyone in the world to listen to. Oh, my gosh. Which three would it be? <laughs> I'm going to pull up the list of all my guests. Um, besides the ones with Justin Wren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did I get started podcasting? It fell in my lap. I was doing radio, but some friends that have a media company said to me, hey, we're going to start a podcast studio and we need some beta testers. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure. And so I started out, oddly enough, in a studio, didn't know what I was doing. My first episode was a nightmare. It is still up. I interviewed uh, the guy who wrote, I hope they serve beer in hell, Tucker Max. Somehow a friend hooked me up to interview him. He was not supposed to be my first. My first had fallen through. And so it ended up being him. It was rough. It was a rough interview. Tucker Max is not easy. And, but somehow I got through it. And so anyway, I decided to keep going. And so it got spotty, but I really enjoyed just figuring it out and you had a post the other day that was like your first podcast will be bad your first art will be bad your first song will be bad your first 
everything will be bad, right? Your first draft will be bad. Yeah, your first podcast will be awful. Your first video will be awful. <laughs> yeah. Your first article will be awful. Your first <laughs> art will be awful. Your first photo will be awful. Your first game will be awful. But you can't make your 50th without making your first. I love that. So get over it. <laughs> oh, so get o- over with. Yeah. So get it over with and make it. Get it over with. Yes. So, you know what? I'm a... I'm one to rip the Band-Aid and just let it be bad. And if, I think I commented on that. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. So just go ahead and do it. Can mm-hmm. everyone do it? Yes. Should everyone do it? 100% yes. Is the market oversaturated? No. It's here for you to do. Don't listen to naysayers. If you think you have something to say, hone in on it. Figure it out. Or don't and just jump in and start saying something. Mm-hmm. Just get in there. Your voice matters. Yes, you should have a podcast. Yes, everyone can. Nowadays, it's easier than ever. You can literally do it on your phone. So you have no excuse. So if you want to do it, I say 100% do it. I did it. Uh, Yes, I am probably a little more trained than the average person, but so what? Just jump in. Even my first one sucked. I'm going to try to give some that are practical help with Oh, I didn't say the three that I would tell people to listen to. Your three episodes. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. Just three that come to mind real quick. I think the one may one of the ones with you when you were either going to treatment or when you got back. I think one of those. I think that'd be helpful for anyone that loves someone that is in addiction or that needs to know they're worth being loved if they're battling addiction because... Whatever side of the spectrum yeah. you're on, if you're yeah. confused, hurt, angry, all that, like listen to it. If you have hurt people and you're confused by why you keep doing it and mm-hmm. um, depressed and, and you confuse yourself like I've confused myself, like I think it will help. So, yeah, because we I think we bring a balance, balanced perspective. Yeah. And we learn some great tools. But you can see the before of like the shame of sitting in shame, but also uh, we, we tried our best the day before I went to treatment and then mm-hmm. after like what we learned, how we were healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the other two, it's really hard to choose one that keeps coming to mind. I guess it's been on my mind lately is the one with East forest mm. because it really gives you a perspective on God as everything. And it really blew my mind. So I really, really liked that one. I'll give you a third just because you love it. Uh, free water. And it's, sitting you right know what? I was thinking of free water. Actually, if you want to get inspired, um, listen to free water. I, I really thought that was a Rogan quality episode. I was exceptionally pa- passionate about that episode. So, um, yeah, Josh Clifford's with free water, I would say is a great one, but they're all great. I literally love every single one. So, so incredibly much. Mm. Yeah. Let's try to finish this in five minutes. So let's rapid fire. Okay. You are so rapid open fire. and expressive. <laughs> what advice do you have for someone who is apprehensive to share their voice on social media? Good question. Uh, that is a great question. You were so open Truly, and expressive. What advice do you have someone that's apprehensive to share their voice? Figure out why media? you're apprehensive. Mm. Why are you apprehensive? Are you scared? You know, What's say something from the heart. What is holding you back? Yeah. Do the work around that because you need to just find your own value and your own self-love first. Mm. And it's going to shine through. And just mm. doing it once builds the muscle. It's just mm. like we were just talking about. First one might suck. Don't wait for it to be perfect. Get out of your head and into your heart. Put one out and then put another one out. Then you know what? Put another one out. Mm. 
That's exactly what I did with TikTok too. I didn't know what I was doing. But you know what? Something I'm doing is resonating. People do like it. And it does offer something to the world. And you know you have something to offer. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and let it out. Just do the work on yourself to really truly love yourself and love your voice. And loving your voice is tough. Love your voice. Listen back to it. Love your Mm -hmm. voice. Put yourself out there, though, because real growth and real magic happen when you get vulnerable and push, put yourself out there. And it's going to resonate with people if you are being truly authentic to you. So I would say make sure you're authentic to you. Open your heart. Let it out. Let it rip. Do the self-work yep. and be authentic. What advice do you give to artists trying to exist on social media for their music? Mm. Then... I mean, set your niche and keep at it and don't don't neglect it. But I'm not a social media expert by any stretch. So, you know what, though, I do notice that I would say move to TikTok and set your niche and really go for it. Write songs there. Let it out there. What are your top three habits? What are the top three habits you've built and recommend to others? Mm, Top three habits. This is a good one. I love this. You love it. Number one, sleep. Make it a priority. Get enough. Just protect it. Protect your sleep. Prioritize your sleep. Number two, meditate. And I don't mean go for a walk. I mean actually sit there with your thoughts and see if you can find your awareness and get quiet for five minutes. Or more. Yep, or more. Number three, look in the mirror and tell yourself I love you. Mm. Love yourself like your life depends uh-huh. on it. Those three things are going to make you shinier. Ooh. You can reclaim your shine that way? Yes, you can. Wow. You sure can. And those are pretty simple. Last question. Yes. And I love you. I love you. This is fun. Thanks for I'm doing this. It was yes. so fun. I was nervous. You shouldn't be. You're killing it. I don't know why. I guess just because. You're the best. You know. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. As a follow-up, or as the last question, what piece of advice could you give until you are blue in the face? Oh, my gosh. What do I say all the time, honey? I'm going to let it come to you. <laughs> you're like, I hear you say shit till you're blue in the face. Mm, what could I say till I'm blue in the face? How about this? Okay. For someone that is apprehensive or that's having a hard time believing in themselves, maybe we can end this by you going out, believing, sharing some of your belief in them, even through this microphone, through the airwaves, through the ether. But you believe in me so much that it helps me believe in myself even more. Your belief helps me believe in me. Mm -hmm. So if someone's out there and they have some self-doubt, have some questioning. They're apprehensive to believe in themselves. What can you tell them to help them believe in themselves a little more? Mm-hmm. I would say think of how much you believe in someone else and allow yourself to give you that gift of believing in yourself because it's so easy for us to give it to somebody else so many times. It's so easy for us to look outside ourselves and believe in someone else and then not give ourselves that same gift. So if you can just notice that belief 
and just give yourself even a fraction of it and just start to. And if you can see that somebody else believes in you too, I believe in you. I believe in everyone. And I'll doubt myself. And then I'll turn it back around and say, okay, people looking at me believe in me just like I believe in them. So maybe I can lean on that. Lean on that knowing that other people do. Other people do believe in you. And allow yourself to just say, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'll give myself that. And you know what? You don't have to do it forever. Just do it today and see how it goes. I think treating everything as just a little experiment is a very valuable way to approach life. Mm. And just saying, what if I try this today? What if I believe in myself just today? And tomorrow I can go back to telling myself all the reality, the, the stuff that I pull myself back to reality. But what if today you just see how it feels to live in a really good space, to appreciate where you're at, to trust that things are going your way, to feel lucky, to feel loved, to give yourself love. What if just for a short period of time you allow yourself to do that? And so that's why I use today. And just consider a little experiment to see how you feel. What if today I do that? What if today I believe in myself? And then see how you feel. Now maybe tomorrow you want to do it again. You don't have to do it forever because sometimes forever is just too overwhelming. And some days you're not going to get it right and that's okay. But sometimes you can just come back to like, what if? What if I just am sober for a while and see how I feel? Or what if I believe in myself? Or what if I talk to myself like I might my friend? Or what if I fall in love with that person in the mirror just today? The way I'd like to be fallen in love with. Well, I have fallen in love with you. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, I want you to end with one thing. But before we do, a little experiment and a way to show you some love, Amy Edwards, from your listeners on mm -hmm. the Amy Edwards show. Please either like, subscribe, rate, review, leave Amy a review about what you got out of this Q&A with her because she's doing so good asking so many of her guests such great questions. But I'd love to hear, I'm, I'm going to read them. And I think Amy will too. And, yeah, and uh, if we miss something, ask it. Yeah, exactly. Ask. But leave an Apple review and uh, let us know what you think. Also on uh, Instagram, you can reach out with questions at, at Real Amy Edwards on TikTok at The Magic Babe. Um, on Spotify, you can leave a five star review. Mm -hmm. And then this is what I wanted to end with for the listener. Can you share the uh, just for today what you say in the mirror? Yes. You know what? I just said it on my Monday episode, too, as I was talking about my morning rituals. So this is a modified Reiki mantra, which I'm going to go more in depth with. Well, I went more in depth with on Monday's episode and I look in the mirror every day. I modified the Reiki mantra to something that suited me a little bit better that didn't have any negative in it. And so I say just for today, I am at peace. Just for today, I will work easy. Just for today, I show appreciation and gratitude. And just for today, I'm kind to all living things, including myself. And then I say, I love you in the mirror. 
And so I think that if you can find something that speaks to your heart, use mine. I don't care. You know, modify it over time, massage it, make it what you want, make it your own and something powerful for you. And saying those things out loud makes a difference. I say it out loud every day. And there's so much power in our voice. There's so much power in letting things out into the vibration of the universe. We don't know where that sound stops, really. Those vibrations hit our eardrums, but perhaps they continue out. And perhaps they affect the reality that we are creating. So why not create what you want to create? High vibe that. High vibe that? High vibe that. I like that. Buckle up, buttercup, and high vibe that. <laughs> thank you, Amy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, honey. Thank you for showing up like this today and just jumping in and doing it. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you. I'm glad so they had such great everybody. questions. Oh, me too. I'm like honored. So honored. So thank you so much. And thank you to everyone. And like he said, yes, please leave us a review. And please sign up for the newsletter too. It's at amyedwards.com. And if there's any more questions, throw them my way because I I enjoy doing it. And maybe, you know, a few months down the road, we can do another one. So thank you, honey. I love you. And I love you. And thank you so much for being here. And um, farewell to the Hot Pie Studio. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank yeah. you, Natalie John, John Dingjian. Thank you yes. to the whole team. G, everybody, Deb, um, mm-hmm. lots and lots of people that we could name. We're just really grateful that we yeah. were able to be here, that they supported our dream our podcast, mm-hmm. even that we came together. Uh, I on mean, really, your first show when another podcast guest dropped out, I got to come. That's right. <laughs> we ended it and uh, saying, "I love you." I know. And now we're here, and then you asked me on my first date yeah, in, I'm po- ask you to in marry Hot me. Pies in Hot Pies Studio. You hear that? Yes. Now I'm going to ask you to marry me. I know. I love you. Not that I don't every day. <laughs> <laughs> Five times a day. <laughs> I, I love, love you. you, and I love you. The are here connecting with us so thank you for being here and finding out more about me so i'm grateful and um i love you till next time onwards and upwards yes and edwards (laughs) (laughs) this has been the amy edwards show from overcome studios remember to rate review and subscribe and thank you so much for being here sign up for our newsletter at amyedwards.com